Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, we can, of course, continue our study of the gospel of Matthew. We're seeing, according to this, this man, Matthew, who was uh, a, a tax collector, but he's presenting Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews and the Messiah. And it's very powerful because we see the fulfillment, really, of the promise going all the way back to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17, that the promise was to David that he would have a son that would sit on the throne of Israel forever. That son would be the Messiah. And Matthew is showing us that this, that Jesus, is the right one. And this morning we're going to see Jesus, and the, the way we've been looking at the gospel, of course, uh, this is going to sound funny, but we're going to see Jesus for the first time in 25 years. The last time we saw him, he was a little boy. He was, he was a, a, you know, maybe a two-year-old baby, a little two-year-old boy, and then he was taken off to Egypt, and then they come back and they go up and live in Nazareth, and maybe he was four years old by that time, maybe five. Well, by the time we get to this passage, he's 30 years old. He's beginning his ministry. We'll talk about about the age of 30 and why all of that. And we're seeing him for the first time in 25 years, basically, and he's coming to John in the midst of the wilderness where everybody's out there and to be baptized. And we say, baptized? Why? Why? And this is identification. And we saw last time that John, in the beginning of his ministry, is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make the way for the king. Make the way. He's the forerunner of the Messiah. He's the Messiah and the Savior. And so what we see this morning is before the Messiah, the king, begins his ministry, there's several things that have to happen. We're going to just look in this passage this morning that he's going to be baptized and he's going to be verified by the Father. We're going to see how that fits together. And so as we begin this morning, let me raise some questions, okay? Why was Jesus baptized? See, there are a lot of people who think people are baptized because it has something to do with, with sin and they deal with sin and then they get baptized or something. Well, so why was Jesus baptized? Second, what is the Trinity? We've also heard the word Trinity. Trinity is not found in the Bible. But when we think about the Trinity, we're thinking about the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. A couple of the songs we sang this morning dealt with the Trinity. How does it all fit together? And then how can we be well-pleasing to God? Because that's, we're going to see that in this passage and we'll see how it fits together. Each one of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, one day, each one will stand before Jesus. It has nothing to do with salvation. has nothing to do with uh, sin. We're going to stand before him to be rewarded. And what we want is when, when we stand before him, we want to hear him say what? Well done what? Good and faithful servant. That's what we want. We want to stand before him. We can all be scared to death. And he's the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the savior, the creator, the redeemer. He's everything. And we're going to stand before him. And what we want to hear him say is, well done. We want to be pleasing to our God and savior. Well, as we look at this passage this morning in Matthew chapter three, Jesus comes out to be baptized by John. And we'll talk about that, but he hears the father say something. The father makes a statement. The father says, that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Think about that. What did Jesus do to be well pleasing to the Father? He actually hadn't started his ministry yet. So what did he do that was well pleasing? And the second question for all of us is, are we well pleasing to our Heavenly Father? And when we stand before Jesus Christ, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Well, there's a whole lot in this section. Uh, the idea of John baptizing people and then Jesus coming out to be baptized. How does that all fit? Well, in chapter 3, we've been seeing the beginning of the ministry of John the Baptist. And then we're going to see the beginning, basically, as we get into chapter 4 and chapter 5, the, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
John is announcing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is on the earth. Believe in the, in the Messiah and the king. He is here. People came from all over. And John looked weird. He, had, he was a, a Nazarite, which means he never cut his hair. He never tasted wine. He never touched anything dead. That's what a Nazarite vow was. He had it from, from the time he was born. And so he's got this long hair. He probably looks like Elijah. And, and people have come out in the middle of nowhere. He's been preaching this message, and they're all coming out there to identify with him. That's what the baptism was. They're saying they believed in the Messiah. They believed in the coming Messiah. Though that king is here, and so they're identifying with him. Religious leaders came out. Religious leaders we saw last week, they're not believing in the Messiah and the king, but they've coming out to question it all, and John actually got on them, and he said, who warned you to come out here? And he actually told them that there's a judgment coming, that all those who believe in the Messiah and Jesus, they're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, which is eternal life and that. And he says, and those who reject him are going to be baptized by fire, which is a separation. And so we saw that last week. Well, this week, in this passage, we actually see Jesus coming to John. And let me just, a little, are we calling it the baptism of Jesus? It's just a few verses, but there's so much there, and we'll go quickly through it. But we're going to see that he says to John, when John says, I'm not supposed to baptize you, and Jesus says, yeah, this fulfills righteousness. We'll talk about that. And then we see God's confirmation, because he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we're going to raise a couple of questions. We see the Father and we see the Son, and we actually see the Holy Spirit all in this passage. So we're going to talk about it. So as we continue, Jesus appears. This is the beginning of ministry for him. It doesn't actually start till after uh, the temptation. And let me just show, show this to you. As Jesus begins to do his ministry, two things have to happen. One is the baptism. That's his identification with John and mankind and his verification by God. But then next week, because this week... The baptism, next week, the temptation. It's one of the most famous passages in the Bible where the devil actually comes to Jesus and tempts him three different times. But we're going to see that he gains victory with the enemy. We're going to see how he does it. And we're going to talk about victory and, and uh, the temptations and how to deal with those kind of things. And why would Jesus be tempted? Since he's God and he can't sin, how could he be tempted and why would he be tempted? And we'll see that next time. Well, this morning, the baptism. So I want you to look at verse 13. Just think about this. John has been baptizing all these people coming out there. And then it says then, verse 13, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. Now, he's basically saying all of this. And, and uh, John has said things like, look, there's one coming. I'm not even worthy to undo his shoes and, and those kind of things. Now, let me let you understand something. John the Baptist has already seen Jesus. This is not the first time John sees Jesus. John hadn't been out there baptizing, and suddenly he looks up and he goes, uh, who are you? No, he, he's been with him. In fact, there's some other places that Jesus, that John was standing with some of his disciples, and Jesus walked by, and John, this is in John chapter 1, verse 29, John actually says, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist knows who Jesus is. He's the Messiah and the Savior. He's been proclaiming him. It just Then it says, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. Now, this is really amazing because the way the, the, the Greek is written, it says he appeared. Literally, the Greek says, then Jesus appeared from Galilee. And it has an idea of all of a sudden. It's like John is out there and he's baptizing people and he's proclaiming his message. And all of a sudden he looks up and there's Jesus standing there. He appears. 
Now, where did Jesus been? I mean, where was he? We're going to talk more about it in just a second. So all of a sudden, in, in the Bible for us, Jesus appears to us for the first time it's in the Gospel of Matthew in a long time. If you go to the end of the other Gospels, you see he's already done some things. Why did Jesus Christ come? Think about it. What if you were talking to somebody, and you say, I'm a Christian, and they say, so you believe about Jesus? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Why did Jesus Christ come? What would you say? Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? There's a number of reasons. One, he offered himself to Israel as the king of the Jews. You understand that? The Gospel of Matthew is all about Jesus offering himself to the nation of Israel as the king. Now, I'm going to show you something as we go through this book, and it's going to take a while, right? I mean, because we're just now in chapter 3. We've been here already a little bit, and it's going to take us a while to go through all 28 chapters. But I want you to notice that as we go through these chapters, the whole book is Jesus offering himself as king to the Jewish people. There's going to be parts of the book where he says, do not go to the Gentiles, go to the Jews. It's not till the end of the book in Matthew 28 when he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's when he changes. He sends them out to go to all nations. The book of Matthew is presenting Jesus as the king of the Jews, and that's what he offers himself as. The second thing, he's come to reveal the Father. We know from John 1.18, he basically uh, he reveals the Father. He says in another place over in John chapter 13, 14, 15, up in the upper room discourse, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, I and the Father are one in chapter 10 of John. And then he comes to make the way of salvation known. He comes to announce who he is. And, 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 and uh, the idea there is this also. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to give his life as a ransom. He came to die on the cross to pay for sin and rise again. He came to be the Savior of the world. So if somebody were to ask you, why did Jesus Christ come? Why would Jesus Christ, who is the eternal God, leave the glories of heaven and become a human being, being born as a baby and growing up and then at about 30 years old, beginning this ministry, why did he do it? He came to offer himself to Israel as the king. That was the promise. He came to die in our place to pay for our sins. He came to give his life as a ransom. He came for me and you to be our Savior. So there's so much there. Now, notice it says that Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. What I want you to understand that Jesus has been living in Nazareth, and John is out in this what they call the wilderness of Judea. It's out by the Jordan River, and he's doing ministry there. He's, he's and people have come out from Jerusalem and Jericho and all around there, and Jesus leaves Nazareth and comes 200 miles and comes down there, and all of a sudden, he appears to Jesus. And we say, why? Why did he come? Notice the verse says, then Jesus arrives from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. That's why he came, to be baptized by John. Now, why did he get baptized by John? Now, we understand that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Not water baptism, not ritual baptism. Baptism is to show that somebody is already saved. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life, and then you get baptized, and we baptize you, and we tell everybody they've trusted Christ, and this is their picture of their death and resurrection. So why would Jesus Christ come to be baptized? Remember, it's identification. And these Jewish people who've been coming out there have been believing in the Messiah, and they're identifying with the Messiah. Jesus comes, and he comes to be identified 
with John and with mankind. He's saying John's ministry is okay. It's right. And then he identifies with us because he is the one who's going to take our place. And we're going to see some incredible things. So just remember this baptism idea, he's coming to, G- to John, it's to identify with fallen mankind, is to identify with us. So what does John do? Because John is just like we would be. If you're out there and you recognize Jesus is the Savior in the world, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, you've been baptizing people and telling them, I'm not even worthy to take this guy's shoes off. I'm not even worthy to be a servant. And then you look up and there he is. And you go, well, hello. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, John, I want you to baptize me. And you go, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, no, no, no. In fact, Shouldn't you baptize me instead of me baptizing you? That's what you think, right? Well, look what happened. John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? He says, well, no, wait a minute. And, see, and truly, John was trying to stop the baptism. And the way it's written in the Greek, John didn't say it one time, like, uh, I don't think so. He was saying, uh, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I, 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 I ought to be baptized by you, not, not you being baptized by me. He kept saying that the way it's written, and he was doing this. Now, one of the things I want you to to think about, John understood who he was. He said, he must increase, and I must what? Decrease. How do we look at ministry? How do we look at who we are in relationship to our Savior, Jesus Christ? I know some people in ministry, and I don't mean this bad, but I think they think if they didn't do ministry, the whole thing would crumble. They think that they're important. The truth is this, we're important to God and he uses us, but he can use anybody and anything, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. I've got a passage I want you to think about. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I don't want you to have to turn there. Let me just flip over there for you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to this because John, uh, Jesus, uh, Paul is right in here, but here's, here's what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. He says, we... We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. See, it's, it's not ourselves. We, we're not here for us. I want you to, this is going to sound funny to you, but we're not representing Stillwater Bible Church. We represent Jesus Christ. Now, we want people to come here so they can get taught and grow and, and minister and serve and all those things. But when we walk out these doors, we may tell people, oh, I want you to come to my church and all that, but we don't represent this church. We represent Jesus Christ. We belong to him. We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. In fact, it goes on to say, and, and ourselves as bondservants. Jesus is the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. We're just servants of Jesus Christ. And we are not here for ourselves, but we're here to represent and serve Christ. That's what John saw. When John saw Jesus and Jesus said, come, I want you to baptize me, John said, oh, no, 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 I'm working for you. I'm working for you. I'm only here for you. You're going to increase. I'm going to decrease. I, I can't do this. And the truth is, yeah, Jesus said, yeah, and he'll show us why in just a second. But the bottom line is, why are you here? Why, are we get to, why did God leave us on this earth? It is that we are representatives of Jesus Christ. We proclaim Jesus Christ. We don't represent ourselves. We represent him. It's all about Jesus. So look what Jesus says. Let me go back over there. 
So what does Jesus say? John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus, answering him, said to him, Permit it at this time. Allow this, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. See, the righteousness there is to identify that Jesus is going to identify with mankind. He's the seed of woman. He's the seed of Abraham. He's the son of David. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Savior of mankind. He has to identify with us. He's come for us. Do you realize, and we've, you've heard people say this, but if you were the only person alive, he would have come and died for you by yourself. It's not a group. He's not saying, when we get up to 100, I'll do it. No, it's whoever it is. He came to die for each one of us. He says, do this. this. This fulfills righteousness. Then he permitted him. Then John said, okay, okay, well, get in the water. <laughs> get in the water and I'll do it. So let's raise some questions here. Why, why would Jesus be baptized? Well, first of all, to identify with John, to show the approval of the ministry because John is out there and the religious leaders have come out and they've said, if, are you the Christ? No. Are you a prophet? No. Then why are you doing this baptism? And he said, well, I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Jesus is coming and saying, John's ministry is correct. You remember later on when the religious leaders were challenging him and they said to Jesus, they said, who gives you the authority to do what you're doing? And Jesus said, okay, let me ask you a question. If you can answer my question, I'll answer your question. Was John's ministry from God or from men? And they said to themselves, they got, excuse us, we'll talk about it in a second. They got over there and they said, if we say it was from God, then he'll tell us, then why didn't you listen to him? And if we say it was from men, then this crowd is listening to all this. They'll stone us because everybody knew that John was from God. So they looked back at Jesus and they said, uh, we don't know. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you. We'll get to it. It's in the Gospel of Matthew. It's to identify with John, to show his approval. The second thing is to identify with us, mankind. Second. Uh, Second Corinthians 5.21, For God has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Isaiah 53.6, All we like sheep have gone to street, went our own way. The Lord hath laid on him all our sins. First Peter 3.18, Jesus Christ died for us just for the unjust. So it's to identify with us. The third thing, it's actually the beginning of the ministry, and I wanted to show you something because I'll mention it later. But Jesus is our great high priest. Great high priest offered sacrifices. The high priest offered sacrifices. Jesus is the great high priest because not only is he the high priest, but the sacrifice that he offers is the sacrifice of himself. Now, let me tell you something. If you were a priestly family, you had to be a descendant of Aaron. When did you begin your priestly ministry? Do you have any idea when they started, what age they started? Guess what? Age 30. How old is Jesus when he starts his ministry? Age 30. 30. He is beginning his ministry as our great high priest to offer the final sacrifice for sin forever, and that's himself. It's very powerful. The fourth thing is that it's a picture of his death and resurrection, because that's what baptism is, down and up, death and resurrection. So Jesus says, let's do it, fulfill, fulfill all righteousness, and so they did it. And that's the identification. Now, now, all of a sudden, think about this. 
You've seen me do baptisms. We've had pictures up here. We take them, go down to the water, and they bring them back up. And then when they come up out, then they step out of our big thing. But in the Jordan River, I'm sure Jesus came up out of the Jordan River and started walking toward the shore. But something happens before he gets moving. Notice. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove, lightning on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. We're going to see the verification of Jesus Christ by the Father. Now, I'm going to raise a couple of questions. You know the story. Jesus comes up out of the water. When he comes up out of the water, somehow the heavens open up, and and a bird comes down, a dove comes down, but it's the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. And it lands on Jesus. And then this voice says, this is my beloved son. Now here's my question. Who saw that? Did everybody standing around there see the dove? Did everybody hear the voice? Was, was John the only one that saw the dove? Was John the only one that heard the voice? Was Jesus the only one that saw the dove? Was Jesus the only one that saw the voice, heard the voice? You know what the answer is? I don't know. There's no way to know. But think about this. What if everybody saw it? What would they think? What if everybody heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? I don't know. If you ask me to guess, I would guess that maybe only Jesus and John saw and heard all that. We don't see any response from people at this time. We don't know. We don't know what happened. Notice again that after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw. And who is the he? Is it Jesus seeing? Is it John seeing? We already have in the Gospel of John, if you go to the Gospel of John in the first two chapters, John baptizes Jesus, and he says, as I baptized Jesus, I saw a dove come down and light on him. We know John saw it because... The Gospel of John tells us that he saw it. Who else saw it? We don't know. And he saw the heavens open. He saw the Spirit of God descending on him as a dove and lightning on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The heavens opened. A voice. A dove comes down. And the dove is the, is the Holy Spirit. We're going to see the Trinity. That's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all there. Jesus is in the water. The Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, and the voice of the Father comes out of heaven. And notice what he says. He says, I saw the heavens open, and, and the Spirit of God descended on him as a dove. That's the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of the Lord is coming. Isaiah eleven two. It actually says the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him. And it says, this is my beloved son, the son of God. The son of God is the title of the Messiah and the king. So we have the Holy Spirit coming down according to Isaiah. We have the father saying, this is my son. This is my servant in whom my soul is well pleased. That's Isaiah 42.1. So when you look at this, if you knew the Bible... If those people know the Bible, if we knew the Bible, we would say that's a fulfillment of Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 11. That's what it is. We're seeing this. Now, let me ask you a question. What does the Father say about the Son? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm what? Well pleased. Well, let me ask you a question. Has Jesus actually started his earthly ministry? 
Best we could tell, no. What had he done that was pleasing to the Father? Well, if you look at Philippians, it says he left the glories of heaven to become a human being. He did what the Father wanted him to do. The will of the Father was Jesus Christ become a person so he could die for us. So the Father, at the beginning of the ministry, says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. At the end of the ministry, when they go on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter, James, and John are with Jesus, and Moses and Elijah show up, and suddenly this cloud comes down, and they hear a voice saying, this is my beloved Son, I'm well pleased. Listen to what he has to say. At the beginning of the ministry, at the end of the ministry, the Son is well-pleasing to the Father. So let me ask you a question. What can you do to be pleasing to the Father? Jesus' entire life was to do the will of the Father. What about our lives? In Romans 12, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices to God. Give your life to God and say, I want my life to count for you. I don't want to be conformed to this world, but I want to be transformed by the word of God. We want to be well-pleasing to the Father. We say, God, take my life. Use me for your glory. We're not talking about salvation. Salvation is a gift. That has nothing to do with our service. We're talking about service as a believer. I know all of us, when we stand before Jesus, we want to hear him say, well done. Let's talk for just a minute, because as we go through this, is a voice out of the heaven say, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Let's talk about the Trinity for just a second. The Trinity is something that you can believe, but you can't comprehend. How can you comprehend that there's one God in what? Three persons? There's not three gods. There's one God, but he's in... Three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You can say, I can believe it. I just, I just can't comprehend that. And they're involved in everything. I want to show you something. I just want you to think about the Trinity. Who created the heavens and the earth? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the Father. Verse 2 of Genesis 1.1.2 says, And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. Colossians chapter 1 and John chapter 1 both say that Jesus created the heavens and the earth. Who created the heavens and the earth? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was born, the power of the Most High will come upon you, the Holy Spirit will come, and that which is born is the Son of God. That's all three of them right there. The ministry of Jesus Christ. The Father came up with the plan, the Son carried out the plan, the Holy Spirit empowered the plan. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Romans chapter 1 says the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. Jesus himself in John said, I lay my life down, I'll bring it back up. There's another place in the Bible that says that the Father raised him from the dead. So who raised him from the dead? All three. One God, three persons. What about spiritual gifts? There are varieties of gifts, but the same Lord. That's Jesus. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. There are varieties of effect, but the same God. That's the Father. All three members of the Godhead had something to do with our spiritual gifts. When you look in the Bible, there is this whole aspect of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. One God in three persons. It's beyond our comprehension. It is a great truth, though. When you think of salvation, 
The father came up with a plan. He sent the son. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The son came and carried it out. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, came to the earth to die and rise again. The Holy Spirit reveals the plan. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So I just want you to see that there is a trinity aspect. There is a father, a son, and the Holy Spirit, but it's one God in three persons. So what are we saying? Jesus comes to be baptized. He comes to identify. John says, no, no, I ought to baptize you. And Jesus said, no, let's do it for righteousness. They do it. It's a picture of his death and resurrection. It's a picture of his great priesthood. It's a picture of all those things. When he comes up out of the water, uh, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, and the Father from the heaven says, this is my beloved Son. So let me give you some applications to think about. First one is, let's understand why Jesus was baptized. Let's think about that. Why? Why would the Son of God, who's always existed, who is the perfect, righteous Son of God, be baptized? It was to identify with John and sinful man. It was to come be our substitute, to show that. It was to be as his great high priest, offering himself as the final sacrifice for sin forever. And it's a picture of his death and resurrection. So just, you don't have to write all those things down if you want to. And if there's some things we put up there too fast and you want to get them down, just call me. I'll get you all the information. But it's there. Or you can, of course, go online and, and look at the video, and it's all there as well. The second application I want you to think about. Let's live our lives well-pleasing to God. Because one of these days, we're going to stand before him. Every one of us. And it's not going to be in a group. Let's all go up there together and see what he says. Now, excuse me, we're all gone. It's just you. It's just me. And we're going to stand before him. And we want to hear him say, well done. So what we want to do is take the gifts, talents, and abilities that we have that God has given to us and use them for the glory of God. What are your spiritual gifts? What are your talents? What are your abilities? What are the things you can do? What are the ways that God can use you to touch lives? Because remember, we do not represent ourselves. We represent our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Last but not least, realize that there's some hard truths in this, there are some truths in the Scripture that are really hard to comprehend. Think about the Trinity. One God, three persons, how does that work? Well, think about this. Think about Jesus. He's God and man. Is he 100% God? You say yes. Is he 100% man? You'd say yes. That's 200%. That doesn't add up. But we say what Jesus is, perfectly God, perfectly man. And, we get, and then the whole idea of freedom and sovereignty, that, that we have freedom to make any choice. We just got through studying that, knowing God's will and, and grow groups and things like that. But we have freedom to make any choice, and yet everything fits in the sovereignty of God. How is that possible? There's no way to understand it. It's beyond our comprehension. May we rest in a God who is beyond our comprehension.